And so in these next three weeks, um, I'll be sharing um, about this dream that God has given us and how God wants to activate each of us as we participate in His dream for our lives and for our city. Um, And so this morning, I want to share a message with you entitled, It Begins With a Dream. It begins with a dream. I want you to um, take some notes if you can. Um, you know, go, go out to a bookstore this week. Buy a notepad. If you don't have a Bible, buy a Bible. It's great to have a physical Bible um, because if you need a word from God and your iPad battery is dead, then you're in trouble, right? And so you need something physical that you can read. Um, and, and you don't have to be religious about it. Get some colored pens and some pencils and some whatever you need and scribble all over it once... You know, I once uh, uh, did that with one of my Bibles. I can no longer read it because it's, there's so much written that I don't know which are my words and which are the words of Jesus, and I don't want to get confused, so, um, so I can hardly read what's in the Bible, and so I had to buy a new one, but that's awesome. You know, I hope to fill a lot of Bibles that way, um, but, but get stuck in because there's something that God wants to do in your life. There's something that God wants to say to you. There's something that He wants to develop in you. There's something He wants to activate in you. And we've got to lean in. We've got to put ourselves in a place where we can grow in our faith, grow in our vision, grow in what God has for us, and, uh, and be activated in the purpose, become more effective and efficient. We're not here to be dormant. We're not here to be lame. We're not here to be, um, to be out of joint. We're not here to just be spectators. Every single one of us, we're not meant to be sitting on the bleachers. We've got to be players on the field. We've got to be players in the game. And God has a position and a role and a, and a function for you to fulfill. And so we've got to be diligent, be good stewards of the giftings and the resources and the purpose and the plans and the, and the dreams that God has given us and, and to you as an individual. Are you being faithful with what God has put in your hands? Are you being faithful with the talents that you have? Are you being faithful with with the giftings that you have, with the wisdom that you have, with the knowledge that you have, with the energy that you have, with the insight that you have, with the money that you have, with everything that God has put in in your hands, are you being faithful? Have you got a kingdom vision? Have you got a heart for the future? Have you got a heart for what God wants to do in our city? And these are the things that I believe God wants to activate us in and draw us all into His plan and purpose rather than allowing us um, to sit dormant like, like the man who handed, the master who handed out talent to the servant. And the one servant, he got the one talent and he hid it in the ground. And later he took it out and he said, well, here it is, I've prever- pre- preserved the one talent. I didn't take any risks, I didn't, I, I, you know, but, but I, at least I kept what you gave me. And the master was not pleased with that servant because he said, I gave you something to do something with it. I gave you something so that you could earn some interest on top of that, so that you could employ it, so you could put it to work. And as you can see, I'm just ready to preach. I haven't preached for a few weeks, and I'm like, like my notes are lagging behind here already. But, but uh, you know, God has been speaking to us so much over the past few weeks that I've literally been rearing to just, okay, I haven't literally been rearing, but, but um, like a horse in my living room, um, kind of, kind of close. But, but, um, but I, I just can't wait to share because God has been speaking to us um, so incredibly over these past few weeks about 2019 and about our future. And, um, and, 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 you know, God speaks to us because He speaks to us. He is involved with us. We're not worshiping an idea or a philosophy or, you know, a way of, of behaving. We're, we, we have an authentic walk with a living God. How many of you know that we have a living God who walks with us? And I know that that's the simplest concept, but sometimes we forget. 
and we relate to God through religion, and we relate to God through philosophy, and we relate to God through the idea of prayer rather than just praying. You know, like when some people pray, and I also do this sometimes, and I go, God, we, we just want to thank you today. And it's like, well, if you want to, then just thank him. He's there. You know, you don't have to go, we want to. You could just say, we, we are thanking you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, speak to him directly instead of indirectly because he is with us. He's involved in our lives and in our church, and he speaks to us. He guides us, and he leads us. And, and the, over these past few weeks, without us orchestrating anything, God has been speaking to us. Um, I was speaking up in Zambia at the Overland Missions Base um, a few weeks ago, and Pastor Mark Hodgetts came, and he spoke about the scattering of the church, about how the church doesn't only gather to be equipped and to be encouraged and to be strengthened, and how it is biblical, it's, it's, it's something in the Bible, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints, the gathering of the brethren. So we gather, but not only do we gather in the week, we scatter. We scatter, we go out, we go to our places of influence, we go to our places of work, we go to the places that God has given us a sphere of influence, and we bring light into those spaces. And so the church doesn't only gather, but it scatters. We're on mission. Every single Sunday when you leave this, these grounds, you're in the mission field. Even if you're just going to your house in Lone Hill or in Four Ways or in Bryanston, you're in the mission field. When you walk into your home, you're in the mission field. When you walk into um, your workplace, you're in the mission field. When you walk into your school, you're in the mission field. And that's our lives. We are, we are scattered as the church. And Pastor Mark brought that message a few weeks ago. Um, the week following that, we had seven in seven. If you weren't here, you've got to go and listen to the audio for these messages. Absolutely amazing. But we had seven people prepare individually seven messages, and they got seven minutes each to share them. And each of them shared on the same topic without us giving them a theme. And essentially what emerged from what they were sharing, um, and some of them, the first time they ever shared a message anywhere, and uh, there was this overwhelming theme of step out beyond your fear, trust in God, and go. Go and do what he has called us to do. And that was the message that we got through 7 and 7. And then uh, uh, Jake uh, Schwertfeger was here um, just two weeks ago from Overland Missions, the global head of operations for Overland Missions. And, and, uh, and he spoke about knowing your identity in Christ and on the basis of the fact that there is nothing stopping you, step out. Step out in faith and go and do what God has called you to do. And then last week we had Pastor Mike Petzer um, who spoke about being ready for revival. And I remember he was taking us through from Isaiah 40, which represents the 27 books of the New Testament from Isaiah 40 uh, up until the end of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, this New Testament. And, uh, and, and, and essentially, I just remember the scripture where he read and said, that, where God says, do not be afraid, I will help you. Do not be afraid, I will help you. Arise, shine, your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is our time. And so God has, has essentially been saying, hey, church, anchor church, every individual that makes up anchor church, don't hold back. Don't be afraid. This is not time to be complacent. This is time for us to step up and to step out. And we do it not in our own strength, but knowing who we are in Jesus by the grace of God. And when Pastor Jake was here, when Jake was here, I was up front, and in worship, I really felt like God just spoke to me in a moment, and I got this picture of, in bold letters, in red, the word activate. And I just had this sense that God wants us and wanted us to pray for people to be activated in their faith, activated in their faith in the calling that God had for them. And I got up and I said, if you feel like you're just going through the motions, you're going through life, you're doing your thing, but you want to step into what your calling, what your, your God's plan for your life is, 
this is your moment. The Holy Spirit wants to activate faith in your life so that you're no longer just going through the motions, but you're stepping up into His plan and purpose for you. And we did, an, we did a, a call for prayer for people to come forward, and essentially the entire church came forward. And we prayed for everybody. Um, some people even prayed for the people that came up to pray for other people. It was amazing. We had like these like stacks of people praying for each other. And so it was awesome. Um, but we prayed, and I felt like this is what God was saying. If we're going to go to the next season for our church, it's not going to happen through an individual. Individuals may lead, and teams, and, 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 and elders, and etc. may lead. But the only way that we're going to step up into what God has for our church in this next season is when we all step up together. Is when all of us begin to understand that the responsibility to lead the church is on all of us. The responsibility for us to reach out is on all of us. The responsibility for us to make disciples is on all of us. The responsibility of us to give provision for the vision is on all of us. We do it together. And the more we get this vision of who we are in Christ and are able to step into that wholeheartedly, heart and soul, the more we're going to be able to take hold of what God has for our future. It's going to take each of us stepping up together. So I've already spoken to the team, and I said, what we're going to do for 2019 is that we want to train leaders. We want to raise people up. We want to release people. We want to get people in a place where they are able to develop the full gifting that God has for your life. You see, leadership is not supposed to be a lid. It's supposed to be a covering. And we're not here to cap your potential. We're here to develop your potential to the fullest extent while covering you at the same time and helping you and supporting you. And that's what we believe for your life. And that's not just if you're on the team already or if you're on staff or if you've if you kind of been here. You, it could be your first day. If you lean in, we'll lean into you. And we'll do what we can. And this is something that we're still praying and, and, and developing and strategizing about as a church. How can we do this more and more effectively? But we believe that God is calling us all to step up. And as we do that, we will see God do miraculous things here at church um, because God has a dream for us. God has a dream for us that is bigger than us and a dream that can only be accomplished by all of us. It begins with that dream that God puts in our hearts. Uh, in Ephesians 1, some of you may be saying, you know, I mentioned how God gave me a picture in my spirit and I saw something in my spirit. And some of you may be asking, how do you see with your spirit? It might be a strange concept to you. How do you see with your spirit? And, and I wanted to show you this. In Ephesians 1 verse 16, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, a young church, and he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this is what he's praying for. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That word revelation is a Christian word, a biblical word, but it's a word that we don't often know what it really means in our modern day context. But the word revelation means to unveil something that was previously veiled, something that you previously did not understand. And that's a supernatural thing that happens. It's not just, it's not just some knowledge. It's not just information that you now know that you, you didn't know before. You know, like now on the Daniel's fast, all of a sudden I'm researching tea because I want to know how tea is made. And I had some revelations about tea. But the revelation that God gives us is different to the revelation that we have 
from Wikipedia or from information because it's something that didn't previously make sense to you. It wasn't in context. You couldn't understand it. And in a moment, the Holy Spirit opens it up and you have an ability to know it beyond your, your natural knowing. It's a spiritual knowing. And it's a spiritual wisdom. So this is something that the Spirit does. It's a supernatural thing. It's a spiritual thing, not just a natural thing. And Paul prays for the church in Ephesus and he says that the God... Uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that unveiling in the knowledge of Him. As you know Jesus, things will be revealed to you. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. The eyes of your heart. Did you know that your heart, your spiritual man or woman, has eyes, has ears, has senses, has the ability to perceive, to hear, to understand in a supernatural, spiritual way that doesn't make sense to this natural world. And so what I'm praying for for our church in 2019 is that God, is that God would open up the eyes of our heart, that he would give us that spirit of revelation and wisdom so that we can walk into things. We see physical things with our natural sight. But in Christ, if your faith is in Jesus, your spirit within you has been regenerated, has come alive, and you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And the Bible says that His Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. And so that's how God communicates with us. Not always with your natural eyes. Sometimes He does, but that would be the, the exception rather than the rule. He doesn't speak to your natural eyes or your natural ears, which is so often what we're looking for but he speaks to your spiritual man. He speaks to the spirit within you. His spirit speaks to your spirit as deep cries out unto deep. And so we're able to know things that the natural man cannot perceive. We're able to walk in things and have faith and, and hear from God and get direction in a way that, that we couldn't naturally. We are able to perceive spiritually. You are able... You don't have to qualify for this. I want you to know that. You don't need a degree in theology to hear from God, right? Think about how many millions of people across the earth have faith in Jesus and no education. It requires no intelligence in order for you to hear from God. It requires no special degrees, no special uh, anointings, no special position in ministry because countless millions of people across the earth who have no education can know him and have a revelation of Him, and walk in Him, and even lead others in Him, because of the Spirit of God within them. We are able to perceive spiritually, and you are able to perceive spiritually. You can hear God's voice. It's not a qualification. My sheep, hear my voice, Jesus said, and they will not follow the voice of a stranger. So we all hear His voice, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, it says this. It says, But the person without the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit within them, does not receive what comes from God's Spirit. So when we are children of God, the Spirit of God is able to testify to our spirits, give a word to our spirits that we are His children. We get confirmation in our heart. We hear from the Holy Spirit. But if you are, if you are without the Spirit, you are not able to receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to Him. You see, if you're thinking naturally and God speaks supernaturally, then it's foolishness. 
And so Pastor Mike spoke last week and he said, you know, sometimes as Christians, we need to get away from this idea that we're trying to be less weird because there's an element of weirdness in who we are and what we do. Because we are perceiving things spiritually that the natural man seems to him seems foolishness. And sometimes I think Christians try too hard to appear unfoolish to the world. Sometimes we look a little bit too natural in worship in the negative sense. Don't try and be natural because you are supernatural. Your spirit is supernatural. Your person is supernatural. Your faith is supernatural. Don't blend in with the world. We should be here and we should look different because we are different. This is who we are in Jesus. But the, the person without the spirit doesn't receive what comes from God. You know, God knocks on the door of their hearts and they don't answer the door because it's foolishness to them. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The natural person cannot understand because these things that we perceive, we perceive supernaturally and spiritually. We have the ability to perceive spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Not we will get the mind of Christ and if we work long enough or if you've been a Christian for 10 years or if you've, if you've you know, fasted for 21 days. No, you already have it. It's yours in Christ. You have the mind of Christ. We have revelation. We have spiritual hearing. We have spiritual sight. We have fellowship with God. We are able to perceive things supernaturally. We are able to perceive God's voice, receive His guidance and revelation, and then act accordingly, even though it seems like foolishness to the world. You know, the steps that we take will be criticized by non-believers. The faith that we have, the songs that we sing, the words that we preach cannot be perceived by them because they are perceived spiritually. But what the Scripture is saying, it says that they are not able to perceive things spiritually but we who hear from God, who are able to hear things spiritually, are not evaluated by anyone. In other words, unspiritual people are in no position to judge what a spiritual person has heard from God. And so the criticism will come, but it will come from a lack of knowing, from a lack of perception, from a lack of understanding, from a lack of spiritual perception and vision. And so the spiritual person can, you evaluate, can evaluate everything and yet himself is not evaluated. We are not judged by the world. We're judged only about how we respond to God's word. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? In other words, if God has put a word in our hearts, if he has given us a dream, if he has spoken to us about the future and we declare those things boldly, who can come and tell us that that's not God's word? Unspiritual people will try, but they're in no position to judge because they don't hear that voice. But we can only be faithful. All that there is in life is to be faithful to what we hear God say to us, to hear his voice and do what he has called us to do. How can they stand in judgment of God's voice to our hearts? Because we have the mind of Christ. We are able to perceive what God wants to do. And so our fasting and praying and what we've been doing uh, this past week um, is simply to increase our awareness 
our spiritual perception. It's just to fix our eyes again. You know, the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It's, it's something that we actively do. And through fasting and praying, we're not saying we're lacking and we're begging God and we're trying to wrestle blessings out of his hands. That is not what we're doing. We're simply fixing our eyes. We're simply increasing our awareness of his presence and his love and his goodness and all that he has for us. To the presence and the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we can hear him. We're making sure we're taking time out to pray and, and part of prayer is not just to speak but to listen. We're one week into that fast, as we mentioned before, uh, but you're welcome to join us. You're welcome to take the rest of this time that we have and, and join us as we pray and fast together. I took my boys um, to a uh, 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 school yesterday, to their school, and uh, there was a cricket game on, and you know the twins, they're five years old, and uh, I, I showed them, and they love cricket, so they were seeing a real cricket match happening, and so I bought them each like um, a soda from the, from the, the tuck shop there, and, and they sat down, and they were drinking, and so at one point, Eli wanted to offer me some of, of, of his juice that I'd bought him, and he kind of handed it over, and he was like, oh, oh, sorry, Dad, I forgot, you can't have any of this, and so Jude asked, why can't Dad have, and so Eli was like, no, because Dad is on a, a Davidson's feast. Some of you this week have been on a Davidson's feast instead of a Daniel's fast, but that's okay. Jesus still loves you, and you can still switch from a Davidson's feast to a Daniel's fast. <laughs> but in Acts 2, Peter gets up after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you know, God had promised that there would be an outpouring, and Jesus spoke to the disciples. He said, wait here for the fulfillment of the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the day of Pentecost. And Peter gets up to preach a message. And he quotes the prophet Joel, who had given a prophecy about the outpouring of God's Spirit 1,000 years earlier. And he says, he speaks about the effect of the outpouring of the Spirit. What would happen when the Holy Spirit gets poured out upon all flesh and all believers? And in Acts 2 verse 16, it says this, this is part of the promise that comes from the, the prophet Joel. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Which means to speak the word of God, to speak the truth of God, and to speak about future events. To give a, a picture, a glimpse of the future. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, which some people have called a waking dream. It's like seeing a picture even though you're awake, like in a dream. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter was declaring, is not something that we're still waiting for. It has now been fulfilled. Sometimes I, I dislike it when people sing and pray, God, pour out your spirit, because I'm like, he already has. He already has. We don't need another fresh outpouring. We just need to walk in the pouring that we've got. We're filled with the spirit. We're empowered by the spirit. We have the anointing of Jesus on our lives. We don't need another outpouring. We need to walk in the one we've got. And the words of Joel was already uh, you know, that promise, Peter said, this promise in Acts 2.38, he says, this promise is not only for you, the people that were there that day, but it is for your children and for your children's children 
And for as many as are afar off, as many as the Lord God would call. So if you're here today and you're called, that promise of the prophet Joel, that outpouring applies to your life. We walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and we are able to dream dreams and see visions. And so we are led by an indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And with that comes communication. Do you think that the Holy Spirit is within you in order to remain silent? In order to just kind of take up residency? In order to just like hang out there until, until you go to heaven one day? No, He is within you to empower you, to speak to you, to communicate with you. And so having the outpouring of the Holy Spirit means that we receive impressions from God and visions from God and communication from God, dreams from God, prophecy from God. The Scriptures tell us in many different places that we are the body of Christ. If your faith is in Jesus, we as the church are the body of Christ. And it tells us in Colossians that He is the head of the body. So Jesus is the head of the body and vitally connected to us as His church. And as I was thinking about that last night, um, you know, I, I thought to myself that God didn't create a body. Like your body that He has created, He didn't create your body in order to be lame. He didn't create your body in order to be paralyzed. He gave us function in order that we may run, in order that we may do, in order that we may accomplish, in order that we, we may work, in order that we may use our bodies as instruments of righteousness to further the kingdom and to provide for our families and to do all that God has called us to do. So God gave us a body with purpose, and Jesus has a body not for it to just lie down and be lame, but in order for us to fulfill his purpose. The body exists for a purpose. And so as I was thinking about our bodies and how our bodies, our physical bodies work, I thought about what is it that causes paralysis? What causes a body to be lame and not be able to, to move? And paralysis is caused when the neurons from your brain, the messages that your brain sends, are not able to travel down, and it's mostly when people have neck injuries and the spinal cord is severed, and so the channel through which the communication, the neurons would run, in order for your brain to tell your hand to open or close or to, or to move or your legs to move as you run, that the messages that your brain sends to the body is what makes it move. And in that same way, the head, Jesus, sends messages to the body. He speaks to the body. He gives vital information to the body. And sometimes we move without knowing that we've received the message to move. We just felt to move and we move. Like, like something, you don't necessarily consciously think of your breathing. There's certain things that we do that we just, God's just working, He's just speaking, and He is causing the body to function. And so we must understand that as the head of the body, Jesus communicates to His church. He speaks to us through messages that we perceive spiritually. And he'll lead you in your life that way. You are a part of the body, and he will send those messages. Don't doubt them. Just act when they come. Just obey them when you hear them. He'll give us this compelling sense of direction with visions and dreams and prophecy and wisdom. And here's the great thing. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter what race you are, what language you are, what color you are. He speaks to all of us. All of us are included. We're all able to dream together. 
we're all able to respond together. The eyes of our heart will see together. And so here at Anchor Church, it's not Adrian's dream. It's not Will's dream. It's not the elders' dream. It's not the, the strategic team's dream. It's not the, the, the anchor team's dream. It's our dream. And we pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that God would, would show us all his dream for how we fit into that picture in terms of what he wants to do in this city. We see it together as he communicates. We do not want to be lame. We do not want to be paralyzed. That's why in Isaiah, I think it's 61, he says that, you know, strengthen your weak knees so that that which is lame may not be put out of joint. We don't want to be out of joint. We want to run. We want to have the full capacity to do what God has called us to do. And so, and so we do not allow ourselves to become numb or dull of hearing to what the Holy Spirit says. But through sharpening ourselves, through prayer and through fasting and through time with God and through leaning into the plans and purposes of, of God for our life, to not allow the world to take up more space in our minds than God's Word, we're able to perceive spiritually and move powerfully. Luke 4 verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Now, I believe that when Jesus said that, a lot of what he speaks is manifested in a physical sense where he did pray for blind people and they were able to see. He did pray for the lame and they were able to walk. He did do miracles and God does that still today. But I believe more importantly than seeing physically is the ability to see spiritually. And when we were, were, were um, poor, not physically but spiritually, he came to give us good news. And when we were blind spiritually, the scripture says that the God of this world has blinded people from perceiving the truth. But what Jesus does, he has been anointed and, and through what he did for us on the cross, he in, brought recovery of sight so that we can see again, so that we can perceive again, so that we can hear again what God has for us. Recovering of sight for the blind restoring your ability to perceive spiritually. And we see this all over the Bible, how when God wanted to move, guess what he does? He gives a dream. It begins with a dream. Over and over again through the Old Testament and the New, we see God giving individuals and groups of people a dream, a vision, a word, a prophecy, a sense, a direction. Because he's the head speaking to his body. Abraham had a vision from God about being the father of many nations. Jacob had a dream of angels ascending and descending from heaven as a promise that God would continue that promise made to Abraham through his life. Joseph had dreams about the authority that God would lead him into in the future. Samuel heard God's voice as a young boy, as he slept in the temple, Solomon had a dream in which God asked him, said to him, ask of me what you wish and I will give it to you. And that's the occasion in which Solomon prayed for wisdom and asked for wisdom. Zechariah had a dream. Zechariah had a dream of the son that he would have who would become John the Baptist and the great plan that God had for his son's life. Joseph encountered an angel 
in his dream, telling him that Mary was going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Pilate's wife had a dream. Ananias had a dream. Cornelius had a dream. Peter had a dream. Paul had a dream. John had a dream. It begins with a dream. God says, I'm going to do something. So as I was, was thinking about the dream that God gives us and the dream that God has given us as a church and as individuals, I thought about what it means when God gives us a dream. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down because they are something that I feel encapsulates what we're going to be talking about and what God has given us. This is what happens when God gives you a dream. What is a dream from God? Number one, it's a message from God's heart. A dream is a message from God's heart. Now, I'm not talking about when you ate too much meat and you dreamed that you were being attacked by ducks and, you know, whatever weird thing you may have dreamed. I, I, I'm talking about when you wake up and you know that what you're perceiving and what you're feeling, there's a, there's a follow-up, there's a, there's, a, there's a spiritual backing to what you've perceived, and you know God has spoken to your heart. Whether it's a waking dream in terms of a vision, whether it's a, just a sense, whether you just feel like God is speaking to you, when you can see things shift in your life in accordance, or when there, whether it's an actual dream that God has given your life, in your life. It's a message from His heart. You see, the dreams that we have, the dream that we have as Anchor Church, we put up a video there this morning that we have a dream. But you know what? It's not really our dream. Abraham's dream wasn't Abraham's dream. Jacob's dream wasn't Jacob's dream. Joseph's dream wasn't Joseph's dream. Cornelius' dream wasn't Cornelius' dream. All of them were God's dream. And we get to live the dream. We get to live the dream that God has for our lives, for our city, and for all the people that he wants to walk to, to, to touch through our lives. So it's a message from God's heart. Number two, it's a statement of intent. A dream is a statement of God's intent. It's God saying, this is what I plan to do. And you know when God plans to do something, He does it. He does it. A dream is a statement of intent. Here's the encouraging bit. A dream is a promise of provision. Because first comes the vision, and then the provision follows the vision. It's for provision. It's for the vision. The provision that God gives us, the resource that He gives us, the abilities that He gives us, all exist to fulfill and accomplish the dream. When we ask that people give and give generously at Anchor Church, when we do our special offering with Heart for the House, it's not so that we can just fill up our bank account. It's so that we can go out and fulfill the dream. It's a vision. And the provision is for the vision. It's a promise. And God promises, if I give you a dream, I will fund that dream. And I will use faithful people to do it. It's a promise of provision. It's a declaration of future blessing. When Jacob slept on that rock and he had the dream, God was saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. When he shows up to Abraham, he says, Abraham, these are the first words. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. When God shows up and gives us a dream, He says, I'm your shield, I'm going to protect you, and I am your exceedingly great reward. There's a blessing attached to the dream that God has for our lives. There's a blessing to staying faithful. There's a blessing to walking it out. So it's a, it's a, it's a declaration of future blessing. And finally, it's an invitation to participate. It's an invitation to participate. You know, God gives us a dream not so that we can be lame, not so that we can be paralyzed, not so that we can be dormant, not so that we can just sit with it, not so that we can put it on the shelf. 
and go on with our lives. It's a message like a neuron running from the brain to your limbs to say, this is because I want you to move. And so when God gives us a dream, he is inviting us to participate in that dream, to take steps, to make changes, to take risks, to step out, to trust, to believe, to hope, to walk, to influence, to raise up leaders, to gather momentum, to move forward. It's an invitation for each of us to participate. I know that sometimes there is a tension, and I felt this tension, and I'm kind of going to be honest with you this morning, I felt the tension between being discontent and longing for more and feeling like I shouldn't be discontent, I shouldn't be longing for more, and then in the converse, and both of these are negative, settling. Settling rather than pushing. Settling rather than chasing and pursuing and running. Settling for the present because we're too afraid to trust or we don't want to pay the price. And both of those, being discontent and settling, can be both of the flesh or of the spirit. And right now I've probably confused all of you. (laughs) So let me explain what I mean. We are called as believers to know who we are in Christ and to rest in Jesus first and foremost. The first thing that we do is we rest. And we constantly rest in the finished work of Jesus. In other words, we're not, we're not working for our salvation. We're not trying to earn God's favor. We're not trying to beg God for a dream. And so we're called to rest and be completely settled and at peace with who we are in Christ and our significance in Him and our worth in his eyes. But there is a kind of discontent that we can have, which is of the flesh, where we feel like we're not worthy or we're not significant unless we achieve something. And that's where being discontent can be from God, because God is saying, I have more from you, and I want you to, be, to have more. But being discontent can also be because you're not trusting in who you are in Jesus. You're not resting in Jesus. In the same, so, so in that sense, being settled can be a godly thing because we're settled in Christ. But it can also be ungodly when we say, I don't know if I'm worthy, so I'm not going to pursue this. But what God wants us to do is to, He wants us to not settle. He wants us to not stop dreaming. He wants us to dream bigger. Whatever dreams you've had for your life, I promise you they're too small. God has got bigger dreams. But He doesn't want us to pursue them from a place of lack. And this is when it becomes godly. When you know who you are, you know that you're worthy, you know that you're significant just as you are, even if you do nothing for the rest of your life, then you're in a place of rest. And from that place of rest, you're able to pursue wholeheartedly because you're not doing it from a place of lack. You're doing it from a place of knowing who you are in Jesus. Does that make sense? I hope it does. We're not doing it from a place of lack. We're not, we're not, we know who we are in Christ. We're in complete peace with Jesus and with the finished work of the cross and because of that we, not, we don't settle for small dreams, we don't settle for complacency, we have a, design, a divine discontent and a holy hunger and a longing to see more of, of God's faithfulness, now part of this process of, of all these weeks of things that God has been sharing to us and there was a time when I was a few weeks back just driving in the car and I was 
I was praying and I said, God, I want you just to download into my spirit what it is that you have for us in 2019. And it felt like God answered that prayer immediately. It was, it was already there. It just became apparent. And this whole idea of this dream that God has given us and how we are at rest, we know who we are in Jesus, and because of that, we step out boldly. Um, it, just, it just flooded me, and I, I instantly phoned Will, and I told him about it, and I phoned Lee, and I told her about it. And, uh, and I knew how, what God wanted us to communicate and what he wanted for this next season. Um, but a few weeks prior to that, we were worshiping here in the front, and my friend Nano, who's um, here standing with us, he's from, from Chile? Costa Rica, sorry. Same continent, wrong country. Um, but from Costa Rica, and, and, and he's a missionary, and he's here. And he came up to me while I was worshiping in the front here and, and after church again. And, um, you know, he spoke to us, and, and Will and I were chatting, and, and uh, in that moment, he gave us a prophecy. He gave us a word. He gave us some insight into what God is saying. And, uh, and what he said is that there was a lot, but, but a part of it was that God is inviting you not to settle. God is inviting you not to settle, but to trust in Him and to keep pursuing what He has placed in your heart because He is going to come and do something bigger than you. And that was such an encouragement to me. You know why? Because sometimes we feel pressure from others to dumb down our vision and our dream in order to not appear presumptuous, i.e. foolish. But when God has spoken a spiritual thing, it is foolish to the unspiritual. And sometimes we think that we're honoring God by playing small, by thinking small, by going, I'm, I'm not going to try and go out there and, and do something, you know, amazing with my life. I'm, you know, and there's another part of it which is driven by fear. What if I fail? What if it doesn't succeed? What if I don't see it? Maybe I should just settle for comfortable. Maybe I should just settle for what I have now. Surely that's okay. And so we actually feel pressure to accept what we have right now and allow others to set parameters for us to say, you can dream up to here, but then please don't go any further. Has anybody ever put parameters on your dreams and the things that God has spoken to your heart? But like 1 Corinthians 2 says to us, who can judge? Who can stand in judgment? of what God has given us? Who can stand in judgment of the dream that he has given us? It's his mind, and it's his dream. And so Nanor says to me, God is inviting you not to settle, but to trust in him, because he's going to come and do something bigger than you. And then he looked over to me and he said, and you have already seen God's faithfulness in your life. We've already seen God's faithfulness. I've seen it in my personal life. We've seen it here at Anchor Church. I promise you, there's miracles that have happened. And he said that you've already seen God's faithfulness, and now you hunger for more. And you must know that the hunger to see more of God's faithfulness is not presumptuous. It is holy. It is holy for us to say, God, we have seen you do it, and we want you to see it, you do it again. We want to see you do the miraculous. We want to see people healed. We want to see lives changed. We want to see families restored. We want to see a city shaped and a nation changed. That's holy. It's a holy hunger because it is God's hunger impressed on our hearts. So don't lose faith. I'm inviting you to dream with me this morning. 
Have a holy hunger in your heart for, for God to work through your life. Don't settle. We're not going to settle. We're going to pursue, and we will not allow anybody to set the parameters to our dreams. It's only God, because it's His dream. He gets to set the parameters. So we are here to, to, to take what God has spoken to us and to do it. We sometimes think that we have dreams for God, but the truth is that God has dreams for us. The dreams that Abraham and Joseph and Cornelius had were God's dreams in their hearts, and God has given us a dream. So as a church, we're not going to settle. We're not going to play it small. We're not going to factor in the opinions of non-dreamers. If you're, a, if you're here at Anchor Church and you're a non-dreamer, we're not going to factor your opinion in. Dream with us and we'll take account. Dream with us and we'll walk together. Dream with us and we'll move together. But we're not going to be dissuaded from what God has spoken to us. And then we come to this very important point. What do we do with what we have seen? What do we do with what we have seen? What do we do with what God has spoken to our heart? How do we walk it out? How do we fight for it? How do we pursue it? How do we, how do we uh, encourage each other in it? Once we have seen a vision of the future, once we've seen a glimpse of God's heart, once we have seen people coming to Jesus in, in droves and miraculous things happening and people being healed and, and, and lives being changed and a city rising up and a nation being built up to honor God, once we've seen that, how do we respond and that's what brings me to that word that I had from the Holy Spirit in worship two weeks ago when I felt that God said, we've got to be activated. You see, God has a dream for your life, but you get to choose to participate or not participate. And so what God wants for us is to be activated. And how are you activated? How are you activated? By your faith. Through faith. Through believing that God has that for your life. And what does faith come with? It comes with action. Faith without, without works is dead, not because we have to work in order to have faith, but when you have faith, it produces something through your life. True faith will produce something. It will produce a response. It will produce a step. It will produce something. And we're not asking you to know all the steps. We're not asking you to figure it out before you start. We're just asking you to take the next step. Even if that's joining us on this fast or praying with us or, or getting involved, joining a team, even if it means putting a hundred rand in the offering, do something that activates your faith, that you are a part of this picture, that you're a part of, of what God has for us. So God wants to activate us to the sense that we are called to a greater purpose. And when we were praying together as a team this morning, we said, God, every person that comes into this place, every child that goes up into our kids' ministry, one touch, one prayer, one moment in worship could be that fuse, could be that spark that activates God's calling in their lives. And we want to activate people in God's calling for their life. Every person, even if they're visiting for the first time, from the youngest to the oldest, remember the, 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 the young men will see visions and the old men will see dreams, will have dreams every person to be activated in God's purpose for their lives. And then the activation is like a muscle. It's like a muscle. I recently had surgery on my knee. And when you have that surgery, your, your quad muscles deactivate. Literally deactivate. They don't want to work anymore. They shut down in order to protect the knee. 
And the process of, 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 of stretching those muscles, and sometimes that's painful, is actually to reactivate the muscle. And over the past few months, I've been working on reactivating the muscle. How is your faith being activated? How is your faith being activated? It's not going to happen by you sitting dormantly in a seat. It's going to happen as you exercise, as you put it to work, as you begin to walk it out. The muscle grows and it gets stronger. So as you activate your faith as a muscle, I want to encourage you to do something with it and to see God bring growth to your life and power to your life. So we can live the dream. We can show up, we can pray, we can believe, we can give, we can remain faithful, and we're going to do it all together. We're going to do it together until every single thing that God has given us comes to pass. We're going to keep dreaming, keep listening, keep obeying. We will live in the space. And this is the space that we want to live in. We will live in the space where the miraculous to us is commonplace. It's every day. It's the normal Christian life. That's the space that we want to live in, the space of the miraculous, the space where pioneers go as a church. That's the space that God is leading us into, and it all begins with a dream. So we're going to be praying, and I'm going to be praying that, that if God needs to give you an actual dream in the night, that he will give you that dream. Whatever needs to happen, that your heart will be activated. Don't resist the activation of the Holy Spirit, which is another way of quoting Hebrews when it says, if you, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as those who are disobedient in the wilderness. But go with what God tells you. Step out. Develop the muscle. And be a part of what God wants to do through our lives. Because it is his dream, which is now our dream. We have a dream as a church. And God is going to fulfill it through our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray together this morning.